So welcome to another episode of the Via VHS Retro Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Wesley, as always, joined by Spencer Scott Holmes. And tonight we're looking at one of the movies I've wanted to review forever. Maybe the number one movie I've wanted to review since I started podcasting. We're looking at Contact from 1997, directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Jodie Foster. Of course, based on the book by Carl Sagan. Fucking awesome movie. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Not a perfect movie. Not a perfect movie, but a very, very good movie. And uh, Spencer, good to, good, to, good to see you. I know you in L.A. this week doing a little bit of traveling. Mm-hmm. Well, some movie-related stuff. Yeah, that, well, that's where it just kind of happened there. Was just, we were down there seeing some family and all kinds of stuff, but it was like, well, wait a second. There's a winger concert going on at the Whiskey A Go-Go, so me and my old pal buddy decided to go there and go see winger front row dead center practically you know we're close about the youngest people there but it was just an awesome time (laughs) and then beforehand we were on this eat fest going around tried out danny trejo's tacos they were actually pretty darn good i was pretty impressed the place was a little bit yuppie looking at first for it being danny trejo's place you know (laughs) felt like danny trejo you know the, the safe zone like taco joint but they were actually pretty impressed with tacos and everything was designed uniquely different and so on. And then as we're killing time, we're like, dude, Jurassic Park's playing in its uh, 30th anniversary. So uh, let's go uh, check it out, the Chinese theater. And we went there and watched it, and we're practically about the only people inside that cinema. And uh, now that, I think, stacks to my seventh time seeing Jurassic Park in theaters since 1993. It's just cool to have the ticket that says the Chinese theater and Jurassic Park on it. <laughs> that is really cool, actually. That is really, really cool. So. I was willing to go in there. I've I've been obsessed with the idea of going in there and uh, the Cinerama Cine, Dome and New Beverly. We were talking about that a little bit before the podcast started. The, the New Beverly is the one I always look at it. every time I go down there. And I'm just like, I want to go there so bad. I just want to try to con somebody in to go in to take me there. But I, I feel like some of these people are like, hey, do you want to go see a 1972 movie with me at like 730 or midnight? Like, Yes, I do. But <laughs> I, yeah, I know, I know you do. Hey, like the New Beverly, I feel like that's something you just don't get really almost anywhere else in the world. For the most part. There's not really that many theaters that are out there like that. So to not want to go out and experience and so on, or you know, I don't know, there, there's just so much of that kind of stuff you just don't see. It's like, man, or, or a lot of people don't go to like all these great concerts and comedy shows that are just right there, like in the vicinity. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much I would do out there, but also so much I would avoid at the same time. So let's be yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of that down there too. I mean, you you could drive for like thousands of blocks and not see anything interesting down there. That's like that's like the weirdest part about it. it just goes and goes and goes and Ugh. yeah, it was all right. I, I I got to see a little bit of it down there. I, I think I've had my feel. It's definitely not my it's not my bag, man. You know. Yeah. But um, you know what it is is contact contact i know you you mention this one all the time i mean the only other movie that might be up there as much as mentioning about like hey man someday i really 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 want to podcast this is back to the future ironically another robert zemeckis film yeah well back to the future is my favorite movie of all time mm-hmm. and what's weird is and i i'll save some of this for other podcasts but you know obviously a little love back to the future favorite movie Forced gump also robert zemeckis that one has actually some weird ties to my life believe it or not just uh, from from acting and different things like that. It's, it's a funny, long story. but And then this movie fucking rocked my world when I saw it. I saw it probably probably close to three years after it came out on TV one night. It perfect time of my life to see it. 
and it just absolutely just rocked my shit. But I mean, did you watch this one a lot? And- I only seen it probably once back in the day when it came on, I don't know, TBS or Stars or something like that. I know I watched it off TV and so on like that. And when I was rewatching it again, because I once again haven't probably seen it since the 90s. I was thinking about my like, oh, you know what? I think I know what like this must have been that movie that like just blew Wes's mind, and that's why it's so kind of high up there on there. Because like you could tell that like it, there's just those certain movies. It's like if you if you kind of hit them at the right point, it's yes. just like oh shit! Like here we go. <laughs> yes, this was. I mean, this one just absolutely blew the doors off for me. It was um like to kind of give some backstory on it. Um, and I, real quick, I'll say this too. Something we'll talk about before we get to the review is how I think it's more relevant to watch this film now than it's ever been to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think because some things, even with COVID, believe it or not, and then also right now we're in the middle of we're having like hearings on Capitol Hill by aliens right now, and nobody gives a shit, which is the exact opposite of how I thought, how I thought that would play out, which I think also ties to COVID a little bit. We'll get into that. But when I saw this film, just for some backstory, I won't get too far into it, but I did grow up in like a, a religious household, but it wasn't a bad experience for me, like at home. My mom was great. Everything that non-Christians say about Christians, my mom was that. She was like super, you know, compassionate, open-minded, and just loving. But um, the school she put me in, when I was, I, I I went through a phase where I wasn't bad. I wasn't getting in trouble, but I just was not giving a shit about school. Like I just refused to do good at school mm. and um, a lot of reasons for that. But she's like, she got sold on the idea of this Christian school that was down the road from us. And they sold her on this idea. Like we're so far advanced our school that we're going to have to put Wesley down a grade when he comes here, because he's just going to have to catch up. And, um, they're like, yeah, we're going to tutor them, do all this stuff. And the day I got there, it was, I knew they were full of absolute shit. Place is called Southview Christian School. It's in, I think it's in Troutman, North Carolina. And all I'll say about this place is that when a nuclear bomb does hit America, I want it to hit there. <laughs> You're right there. Like, I mean, fuck that place. But they were very rigid, very dogmatic, very hypocritical. They didn't want you to think at all. And they hated me. Because I'm with the public school before. So I wasn't indoctrinated from kindergarten like they wanted me to be. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so I would ask questions and they hated that. <laughs> so that's the worst thing is a child soldier who asked questions. Yeah. Like, and it just was, it wasn't even bad stuff. Like, like they'd be teaching me like the New Testament and then, you know, in the New Testament, I don't know how much you've read it, but the accounts of Jesus, you know, there's four books, you know, there's four mm-hmm. books right there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they actually contradict each other a little bit. Yeah. So I'll be trying to ask questions about it and they they get all mad. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to figure out the plot holes in the story. Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm just trying to figure it out and they get so mad. And so it just messed me up for a long time that that school did. And then I found this movie, um, in the middle of all that. And what was crazy is like this movie, it's, despite the two really big mistakes they made in this movie, which we'll talk about in the review, this movie, it doesn't affect the message of this movie, which is like the, you know, the relationship between religion and science. Mm-hmm. And, um, they handled that in such a good way. Like it's such an inviting way. And so that when I was up one night and this was on, I think it was on TNT, 
hadn't seen it and I started watching it, I was hooked. By the time the signal comes through mm-hmm. and Ellie gets the signal, which they teach in the trailers, by that moment, I'm like, I don't care if this is on till four in the morning and I'm watching this movie. Like I was really invested in since then. I probably watched this once a year. This is mm-hmm. one of those frequent it, It's like a religious experience. It is. It really is. It's like <laughs> this maybe may I would say probably in terms of just, you know, thinking, you know, just, you know, comprehending things, it's definitely impacted me more than any other movie. So I've always wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's tough because it's just like there's so much to unpack with it. It's very dense in terms of just its meaning, but also it's just, I'm always, I showed it to my brother and I was so disappointed. He did not care for it. <laughs> well, really you know, disappointed. I will say it is one of those movies that it's either you're going to get it or you're just not going to care. Like I, 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 I could tell that in watching it again, I was like, oh, this is one of those movies that like you could, you could like two people could watch this one and one person will love it. And the other person will be like, eh, it was kind of dumb. They didn't really show anything. If you know what I mean, like it's it's I'm like it's a hundred percent one of those movies, you know. And it's like I, I like it. I was one of those ones like I was like I was engaged. Like right, I was just like oh, I forgot how good this one is too. So just like the start off too, it's just like I was already excited. I'm like oh shit, it starts off like at the end of Goldeneye right here. I'm so <laughs> it's that satellite dish. <laughs> like oh man, I'm so so sold again. Always like, that first shot you see it like she's standing on a ridge and it's kind of panning down to it. And I always, I was like, oh, is Sean Bean going to be down there? Just like, let's sprawl out. I'm like, oh, I got to go chase him around there. I just know it and shoot him about a half dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> he just won't even. It was just giving me these smug one-liners as you're chasing him up these stairs, running out of breath. I'm like, <laughs> just, Sean Bean, you're so easy to kill and everything else, but fucking Goldeneye did game. Goldeneye, the last game, you're running around forever until he finally goes over the edge. But yeah. 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 Everything else, man, he's out like a he, glass jaw. Just out like a light, man. But not a golden eye of the game, man. You got to really work to kill Sean Bean in that. Yeah, takes a lot of buzz. Yeah, but um, real quick about this one, so because I have a question for you, and then we'll get into the review. But I think this is relevant for two reasons. This movie right now, mm-hmm. one, and I'm not look. I know how polarized we all are, so I don't want that smoke. So I'm not going to take sides on anything I'm about to say. But the COVID stuff, you know. That's a perfect example of science, government, and everything kind of, you know, how did it, how did it play out? A lot like the signal in this movie did. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, essentially that started off with all the controversy around COVID. It started off with just the normal people having, um, you know, the extreme people are doing their thing that they always do, being extreme and crazy. They're always out there doing that anyway. But then you had the like normal people having like a conversation about it, like, Okay, well, um, vaccines are cool, but also you rolled this out pretty quick. I'm a little apprehensive. And like, shut the fuck up and government's good. Blah, 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 you know, and so then both sides became extreme. And so then on the other side that was just asking normal questions, it almost became like a badge of honor to hate science completely now. Like, okay, you, I understand you being apprehensive about that, but you don't have to think the fucking earth is flat now. Like, you don't have to go that far. So both sides just went way too far. Yeah. And so now, like, now we're at the point where I've, fleeing my whole life like what's it going to be like is it going to be like contact when we finally figure out aliens is the government going to start slowly rolling it out just trying to that's what they're doing and nobody gives a fuck or they're like okay i do believe in aliens but i don't want to believe it now because the fucking government's the one telling us <laughs> so everybody's so so i mean i just wonder what you like what you what your thoughts on the alien situation are 
the the aliens of uh, contact or the aliens of uh, what we got going on right now? What we got going on right now on Capitol Hill, where they're like, uh, "Hey, there's aliens," and we're like, mm. "No." It's almost like if the government, if Bigfoot, like enthusiasts, mm-hmm. with every fiber of their being, that Bigfoot existed, and then the government is the one that told them it did exist. They'd be like, "No, fuck that," and I, I can't blame them. Yeah. That that would be a shocking one in the area that I'm at because where I'm at it's just Bigfoot like stuff left and right because oh yeah because I, I live in one of those Bigfoot like sighting areas so like you know you you just you just see it everywhere you kind of go there's like Bigfoot pride stickers and all kinds of that stuff and there's a giant Bigfoot wooden statue in the town of Strawberry and mm-hmm. yeah all, all that kind of neat stuff there but um yeah it, it's funny when the government when the, the government ties to it a lot of times what I always think is when the government says stuff like that. What is that? Is, is what distraction is that? That's like one yeah. of those ones. Like, hey, take a look at the left hand right now, as the right hand's doing something else. I always feel that sort of what that kind of stuff is because let's be honest, the average Joe can't really handle information super well, or not the average Joe, the, the a crowd can't handle information well. A singular individual can, but not a group. A group can't handle it. So it's, sometimes I always feel that stuff needs to be like so it's. Almost like many of things. Sometimes I think there's some of those things. I know this always sounds like such like a government government, but I always feel there's a lot of those incidents where I'm like, you know, it's probably best if the if the average public didn't know about this. Just That's figure right. it, figure it out and solve it. Don't let regular people in on it because they just are going to freak out like they do in Contact. Yeah, well, it's like that line. Coincidentally, a movie that was out at the same time as this one was Men in Black. Mm-hmm. And there's that line Tommy Lee Jones has in Men in Black, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to butcher it. But he says, a, a person is smart, but people are dumb and panicky. And, you know, that, and that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I kind of I, 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 I'm pretty sure that's actually where like, I got that like initial feeling from. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was I'm like, I'm like, what was I'm like, yeah, Men in Black. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, I was also thinking it's Men in Black because in the comic books, which we read not that long ago, the interesting thing they do in that one is they talk about, because that one's not just... Uh, it's not just aliens in the comic book. It's like anything. Like it can be any kind of paranormal thing or something like that could be in the Men in Black or even cults and all kinds of stuff. They they deal with all the weird stuff. Mm. But the whole like thing X-Files. they do is like, yes, yeah, so like yeah, kind of like X Files exactly. But the thing they do in that too is they they utilize pop culture. They're like, oh yeah, pop culture stuff is actually real things, like real sci fi stuff. But we use it as like a cover up, you know, so people don't think that it's real. They're like, oh, it's just a fun movie, you know, or something like that. Or like when they have like um. When they meet aliens and bring them into the have like things, they do it at like sci-fi conventions because no one will notice the difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. It's like okay, it's it's so you could do so much with computers now, and like deep fake and you know computer graphics and all that stuff. It's like okay, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, this happens. Okay, well the smoke. They say they have alien biologics. Okay, that would have been the smoking gun. That would have been the one like, okay, well, you show us the body. And if you got that, then I'm going to believe you. Like, so if they, if they roll that out, but now you can't even believe that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, it, so it comes out. So what I think is funny is now is like reverse conspiracy theorists. Cause now before it was like government's hiding aliens. Now the government's showing us aliens. Like, ah, oh, the government's fucking lying. <laughs> like, so it's like, it's, you're never. It's I'll, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. But I think people yeah. just love to be rebels. That's the thing. People love to be they they, they love just the, yeah. They, they just love to fight the power, even if the f- power is talking sense or anything like that. There's just something to be said about like oh that guy says this. Well screw that guy. 
I don't want to be a part of that. I'll tell you what to do. You're not my father. You know what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and see, I would normally agree with you on the, you know, distraction point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, we don't want to see what you're doing, but it's our our president uh, doesn't even know where the fuck he's at. So it's like <laughs> he's the distraction. <laughs> yeah, he is the distraction because he he's. He just gets up there like they asked him the other day, like, when are you going to Florida? And he froze. And then he's like, going to Florida on Saturday. And then he turns around like, where the fuck am I going? <laughs> he didn't know where he's at. And then he's been you... on the beach in Florida. Already. Yeah. He's in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in Florida. And then they. He's got his shirt on. Just said, hey, I, I'm not in Florida right now. Yeah. See, that's why they, they just don't have that. Everybody's just the government tries to cover up all this stuff. Like they don't have the comprehension. Mr. McGonnell has has had two strokes on the screen the past like three weeks. Like glitch McConnell, he just he just freezes. And they were asking him when he's going to run for re-election, and he just froze. And I feel bad for him, but it's just like no, I don't think. I, normally, I would agree that there is a distraction, but I think that it's so plain in sight that they're fucking up that <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to be distracted from it. It's just right there. So I don't know, but contact handles it well. I guess we should jump into the rewind review. Yes, we can. People on review. Contact. Contact. We'll look at the teletape. As I mentioned before, Directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, Tom Skerritt, John Hurt. I always forget John Hurt's in it till I watch it again. Yeah, and then I and I have a lot to say about that character. But uh, John Hurt, Jenna Malone, David Morse, a um, bunch of uh, William Fitchner, who I love, and a lot of different things. Larry King, which is he if if it's a realistic '90s movie, Larry King's in it. Has to be a hundred percent. You know, uh, yeah, he's in a lot of movies. And the most important actor in this movie out of everybody in here, of course. Oh, Larry King? No, 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 Jake Busey. Oh, yeah, Jake Busey. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jake Busey. <laughs> I have, y'all, y'all can't see it, but on the screen down here, the via VHS facade covers it up, but I have Jake Busey as part the screen name tonight. Uh, and yeah, oh, and James Woods. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oh, man. You get a Busey and James Woods in here? Man, this is fodder for Family Guy. This is like, they are just... All over this one. Oh, and Angela Bassett. I forgot Angela yeah, Bassett. Bassett's in there, and Rob Lowe's in there too, which I totally like. I was like, was like is that Rob Lowe sitting at the edge of the table? And it's like, wow, he only he didn't have a whole lot in this movie. Very underutilized. It felt like they were setting up a bigger um, character, and I have a feeling there's a cut of this film somewhere that runs about three hours, and he's a little bit more in it mm-hmm. because it feels like they could have like integrated his character more with the Jake Busey character, which we'll get into, which the kind of religious zealot thing. But mm-hmm. I think he was supposed to be more of the um, kind of the uh, new Green- Gingrich of the time, you know, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Because we're third the party guy like, hey, guys, I-, I got something to say. Yeah, sure. That sounds great. OK, back to our meeting. He was the religious like. Uh, oh, no, that's uh, right. Yeah. Sorry, I was getting that confused with somebody else. Well, in the in this in the nineties, it was that whole like group of like conservatives, the focus on the family conservatives that were like trying to like bring back like all the conservative values and stuff. And they, and no matter what the political topic was, it was they made that relevant to it. Didn't matter. Yeah. 
and they had zero effect because Bill Clinton, I just getting my slick with, you know, getting some love in that war office, you know. And he's in a little saxophone. Yeah, Bill Clinton's in this movie quite often. Yeah, which was actually somewhat controversial from what I remember. I couldn't find it in the trivia, but I remember there's some type of controversy about the use of his image because he had a, they were going to have Sidney Poitier play the president. And then Bill Clinton did this speech that sounded like it was for the movie. Like until I read the trivia, I didn't know it wasn't for the movie. It's so spot on. And it seems like he's talking about exactly that thing. So either you have Daryl Hammond in the background doing this Bill Clinton impression. It's like, uh, Ellie, I, I swear to God, I'm so happy you're going to space or wherever the hell you're going. Nah, but they didn't have, like, it was actual real Clinton footage and it worked perfectly until yeah. he got pissed about it, I think. Well, because they just, like, took it and they just literally cropped him out of, like, other things and slapped, you know, Photoshopped together a bunch of characters and yeah. they, they pieced those scenes together in the movie, you know. Yeah. And I guess it's because it's like, well, because he's the president, it's it's a tricky thing because, okay, well, because he's the president, it's a public domain because, you know, mm -hmm. taxpayer, but do, but does the government own his name, image, and likeness? That's a whole different thing. Yeah. Or That's maybe Bill just wanted to be in the movie. It's just like, you know. Well, I think there was a con, I think he actually got pissed about it or somebody were in the administration got pissed about it. Um, I think there was some type of controversy, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that up. But I know it didn't go over super well with him. Yeah. I think. So it's a bizarre one. It really is. It's a weird it's a weird concept. But um yeah, but Slick Willie's in it. So a pretty good cast. Um writers, obviously, Carl Sagan mm -hmm. is based on his novel. I'll I wanted to try to read the novel before this review. I've always wanted to read it. I never have read it. Yeah, that would have been kind of an interesting one. And one of the things, too, I noticed is apparently Francis Ford Coppola thought that him and Carl Sagan were going to make this movie or make it a TV show in, like, 75. And then the second that he died or whatever, like, Francis Ford Coppola came and tried to ensued because he was pissed that Robert Zemeckis took this idea out from underneath him. I th yeah, I feel like this floated through. I feel like I've heard it floated through Spielberg's hands at one point. They said George Miller was one of the other dudes who was supposed to have it, and then he got fired from the project from WB. Well, that would have been an interesting take. I would not have minded seeing that. Yeah. I and mean, I'm obviously perfectly happy with Zemeckis doing it because I love Zemeckis, but I wouldn't have minded seeing a George Miller take on this on this yeah. thing. Well, because this feels like this is definitely made in a Zemeckis sort of wheelhouse, like the kind of style of it is and whatnot. Mm. Where I feel like the George Miller one would have been like very like the alternative version of the movie, like you know, there, yeah. I felt like it would have been like there would be some more interesting stuff going on. Yeah, it would have got trippier. I think the actual, um, the actual trip. Spoiler alert: When she does go to Vega or whatever, like the ending of the movie would have been definitely more abstract. But not to say that the ending they have in this is abstract and really surreal and very. Gives you this weird feeling, you know, mm -hmm. which we'll get to. But it's, you know, I would like to see what George Miller did with that part of the movie in particular. Yeah. Um, that would have been really, really cool. But yeah, I mean, I think um, maybe it was Interstellar that went uh, through Spielberg's hands and to Nolan. But, you know, Interstellar and this movie are so linked. They started from notes that inspired the book, if I'm not mistaken, Carl Sagan. Kip Thorne, National Physicist, had some notes. Mm hmm. And it kind of inspired both of these movies. And so they're very linked. They're very similar, have very similar messages. 
And even though the ending aesthetically isn't the same, they're kind of very similar endings too. Yeah, both got a lot of McConaughey. Both got Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and I I mean Interstellar. I mean it's Christopher Nolan. It's hard to compare them as movies, which is better. I've always preferred this one slightly, even because of the message in the other one is love, and then this one is more of like religious religion versus science and i think that i don't think i've ever seen anything else ever have that message and pull it off the way this one did which is why i've always preferred this one but i watched interstellar too yeah this week which i never watched two movies (laughs) um but i was a little ahead of the game because you we took a week off last week so i had a little bit extra time but um uh, july 11th 1997 is when contact was released um Looking at the box office real quick because we like to do that. Uh, so it opened um, number two at the box office with $31 million. It's opening weekend. It opened second to Men in Black. Um, good yeah. time for sci fi. Good time for sci fi. I did see Men in Black in theaters. I didn't see this one. Yeah, same here. I saw Men in Black. Yeah. Well, well, this reminds me like Contact does seem kind of like, not that like, you know, a younger person would not enjoy it, but it doesn't feel like if there's a choice for like, you know, to go see Men in Black or Contact, it seems like a weird one be like, you know, it'd be like that one kid be like, I'd like to go see Contact. I look like I had a real interesting premise going on. You know that? Yeah. Everybody be like, Men in Black, Men in Black, Men in Black. You've got the Will Smith in it. Well, I like bad boys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I wanted to see this one, but I knew I wasn't going to see this and Men in Black. And Uncle Jody took me to see Men in Black. And Uncle Jody would not have liked contact at all. I I did not I did not like that. I did not what was the point? I don't get it. It's like they're just talking and talking and talking all day and movie. I I just don't Yeah, he wouldn't I I would have loved it. Yeah. Um real quick for reader box, ninety seven is a low key great movie year. Yes. Because up until the very, it doesn't have up until I think Titanic comes out, which most of its box office is in 98. Mm-hmm. But up until Titanic comes out, it doesn't have like this big monster hit. Seven Lost World. But, well, yeah, well, actually, that's, oh yeah, Lost World. But it's a lot of really good hits. I don't think Lost World was number one. I think Men in Black was number one at the box office that year. That's probably true because Men in Black was, yeah, an outrageously huge movie. Yeah, actually, I had that one pulled up. We'll look in a second the whole year. But yeah, um, Men in Black was number one at the box office this week. I think it's in its second or third week. Third week. Mm-hmm. Contact. Number three, Face Off. Got a great movie. Yeah. Love Face Off. Face Off. Um, number f- uh, four is uh, Hercules. Um, the Dis- yeah, the Disney, yeah, okay. yeah the Disney there's Hercules. There's so many Hercules movies in life. Sometimes I feel like you gotta ask that question once in a while. Uh, my best friend's wedding at number five. Um, out to sea, George of the Jungle, Batman and Robin, and the George of the Jungle fish. and Batman and Robin. Good yeah. and and rounding out the top ten is uh, Con Air. Oh, jeez, this guy ninety seven is a good year. It is. It's like I explained on another podcast one time. Ninety seven is like that year. It's like. In sports, where you you have that team that's got like three big superstars and they're really really good and they're just like juggernauts, but then they go up against this team that's like got a really solid starting five, but then a great bench and they're just so much depth. And that was '97 where it was just 
a really solid year. This I have its definitive, like Men in Black is a big film, but it's not one I would usually consider to be like the number one box office movie of the year. Yeah. But um, man, 97 is sne- sneaky good. Well, because it's like, um, none of those movies feel like they're like in that category of like a Jurassic Park or a Matrix or an Independence yeah. Day. You know, they, they don't have like those movies where it's just like, holy crap. But like all those movies are like those ones where it's like the second you name them off, you're like, oh man, those are all great films. It might not be the first thing that comes to your mind, but when you hear me like, oh, it's great movie after great movie right there. Yeah. 97 was a fun year. And what's funny is all these movies are just ridiculous. Most of them. Like, yeah. you know, Black is great. Like it's the only movie that's in a category like that is Ghostbusters. It's kind of a unique film. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, real quick, the box office for 97, Men in Black, number one for the whole year, Lost World, Liar Liar, Air Force One. Oh, oh yes. yes. Uh, number five was A New Hope, the re-release. Oh, yeah, because yeah, cause, well, that's also a huge deal right there because this is the extended cut versions or the, you know, the new material versions. Yeah. Um, Best Friends Wedding at six. Number seven is Titanic, but of course it comes out closer to the end of the year. Oh, okay. Well, I it's, think, it's, it's, I it's think like, it comes out yeah, because I remember that was, yeah. I want to say like November or December is when Titanic came out. I think it came out like similar to Avatar, like the week before Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. James Cameron kind of pinned that as like, hey, this is what we, this is when we're a clean fucking house is this movie. Because you're going to go into January and February, you're going to get the holiday, and in January and February, you have no fucking competition. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to clean house for like three months. That's what Titanic did. Yeah, clean clean house for the entire next year, practically. Yeah, yeah, Leo. Um, but yeah, uh, my best friend's wedding, Titanic, which I think was only out for like a week or two of '97. Face Off, Batman and Robin does not belong anywhere near the top ten. George of the Jungle, Con Air, Hercules, and Contact was number thirteen for the entire year, just edging out Jerry Maguire. Yeah, oh, I, I like Jerry Maguire too. Yeah, Flubber at fifteen. Old flubber, no old flubber. Uh, yeah, so I mean, pretty. It's a solid year. It kind of tapers off for a second with some weird shit, and then all of a sudden Dante's Peak and the oh, God, so you got Dante's Peak. Thought that Dante's yeah. Peak was ninety eight, but it might be. Let me see. Uh, it might be similar to Titanic. Where, it, yeah, it might be one of those ones there. But um, oh no, it came out in February of ninety eight or ninety seven. Ninety seven, February. Oh really. Because that, that Dante's Peak, I mean, I, I've said it before, it's like, that's, uh, I think, my all-time favorite disaster flick. Oh, yeah. I think we mentioned that uh, during Threads. You mentioned Yeah. That. Yeah. is <sighs> good. Yeah, 97 <laughs> is is a really, really solid year. It's, it's I'm, I've, I've said that for a long time. It's one of my favorite movie years. Yeah. And one of the reasons is Contact, which was a, a good one. But, um, so... This, like I said before, was a book from Carl Sagan, um, which famed astrophysicist. I think that's his title. I might have just botched that, but um, you know, whatever Neil deGrasse Tyson is, you know, he's on all these podcasts now, and you know, there's all these clips from him talking about space stuff and re- making it relatable to everybody. That's Carl. What Carl Sagan was to people in the '80s with his show. He did the original Cosmos, like Neil deGrasse mm-hmm. Tyson took it over, um, and you know. Big, big deal. And um, so he writes this science fiction novel and um, about what would happen if we made contact with an alien race. And what I love about this movie is it's just such a fresh take because, look, I love Independence Day. Mm-hmm. 
but it's so it's just such a different take on it because Independence Day, the aliens sh- show up unannounced. They don't give you any warning. Instead of sitting as a contact, they use our communications against us. And then the second they get there, they just start fucking shit up. They don't give a fuck. Like they're just like here to wipe us out. They don't want to have a conversation. They don't care about our culture. They don't want to enrich us in any way. They just want to get us off the rock. Yeah. So we can harvest us or whatever. But really, I can't remember even why they were doing it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're bored on a Tuesday, maybe. You never know. Uh, they're bored. They're just like, they were probably just cruising to the neighborhood and decided to do a drive-by. Because they had from 90s. They're both in Tupac for sure. <laughs> and then they roll up. You know what? That's okay. Will Smith comes to save the day. <laughs> so we, you know, we, we, we get America's favorite rapper. God's favorite rapper. Yeah, that's like should be a barbecue. <laughs> Tupac's over here, like fighting with Big Biggie, and he's like getting jiggy with it. No, 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 no. Oh man, I love Independence Day. It's a stupid ass. Movie. Oh yeah, one well, of my favorite movies too. I mean, that's classic all around. Yeah, it is my favorite dumb movie, <laughs> and it. But it is stupid. This movie is far from it. Makes you think on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And. What's great is I love both, both of them. But this is a, a thinker. But did you like? How did you feel watching it this time around? Like all these years, like did you really like really really enjoy it, or is it just like oh, this is a fun little fun little movie? No, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, you know. And what I like really about it is, as I said, like it's one of those movies. It's like I was just you know I'm like I, I know there's like alien contact in, but you know it's like it's been like 25 plus years or something probably since seeing it. Um, I mean that that whole. 20 years or so but um when watching it i like how it starts off as like it starts off as this very like sci-fi movie where it's very realistic and everything like that and as it kind of goes on it starts just slowly fading into a bit sci-fi and so on like that because it's like well, was like, i couldn't remember how realistic this movie stayed or or how like into the sci-fi-ness it kind of went and so on but the blended meld of it comes together really good like almost in a way that like a lot of times like like michael Crichton stories kind of go and so on like yes. that, where it blends like the real with just you know a, a tad bit of sci-fi just to give you that extra edge you know and complement each other yeah there's one element of this movie that sr had an element which we'll talk about which what the character is and does does it bother me the way he's portrayed the movie is weird because it kind of feels like you're watching this realistic science fiction movie and then all of a sudden this fucking bond villain shows up you know he's just william hurt is great but it's, it doesn't he's fit. like chewing scenery yeah he's chewing scenery he's bald he looks like the heaven's gate guy that's like made everybody commit suicide and he's a, also when he's floating in space just to top it off because he's like Hello, Clarice. We have a plan. Japan built another place. You didn't know about that, but when yeah. you spend money, spend it twice. Yeah. Would it take a ride? And I'm like, dude, yeah, like, chill. chill. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> while we're on the subject, my problem with that character is I think it's plausible that a billionaire, an essentially billionaire, would be investing in space stuff. I mean, we have two right now that are building dick rockets. Competing yeah. dick rockets with each other. <laughs> like, I, Elon Musk, like, my dick rocket's going to go here. My dick rocket can fucking land itself. And this guy's like, well, my dick rocket looks more like a dick. And I have William Shatter, and they're just fighting. So it's not ridiculous that he would 
be there and do the things that he does. It's just the way he's portrayed the movie where he's just might as well be petting like a cat and like having like a weird like facial malady and bonds there. It's just it, it, it's weird. It's a weird take. There's just two guys fighting in the corner and no one says anything about it. <laughs> like like that that was his entertainment like in the helicopter before she got there. Yeah. He's like, I, I don't own a TV, but, uh, you know, I pay for real action movies. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone? Never mind that. Never mind that now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, that that part's weird, but William Hurt's great in it. But, um, yeah, so Contact is about um, Dr. Arroway, who's this, uh, I, guess she, I guess she's an astrophysicist. I don't fucking know what she is. She likes space. She likes okay. to listen to space. She likes to listen to space. She is a brilliant um, astronomer, I guess. And she um, has been that way since she was a young kid. And instead of devoting her uh, time and efforts and education and her gifts and her talents, because she's supposedly one of the best in the world at what she does, uh, to like the things that everybody wants her to um, devote her time. Terrific friend. She wants to believe in aliens, believes they're out there, and she's going to be the person to make contact, contact, contact with these aliens. And so she is, um, the movie talks about SETI, which is funny. Because again, back to Independence Day, the, one of the first clues in Independence Day that that movie's stupid is they're like, the folks over at SETI, <laughs> uh, the dad from Wonder Years, like totally just comes in. The folks at SETI, which I guess is what it is. Everybody calls it SETI. Like we all know yeah. the SETI. Yeah, so she is working basically for SETI, and she's trying to find the biggest fucking satellite she can to <laughs> talk to ET. Yeah, and that's that's her thing. And she, um, her backstory is her dad, her mom is already dead when you meet her in the movie. She's played by young Jenna Malone, who does great in the movie. And then her father dies, and then you pick up with her twenty some years later. And um, her father and her had a hobby with a ham radio, and they're talking to people in Florida and he dies and now she's off to use her skills and her giant ham radio to talk to aliens and that's basically what the movie's about her government paid ham radio mm-hmm. well the first one's government paid that's true the first one is the second one's you know privateer paid yeah paid by the bond villain yeah exactly yeah. you know and then of course she meets matthew mcconaughey who, you know, if it wasn't Matthew McConaughey, could just seem like some kind of douchey guy slipping in just to find some scientists, you know. The bomb. Easy access girls, you know. But since yeah. Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey could play a rapist and all the women would be okay with it, I feel. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just, you know. So you won't meet Jesus? He's all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Me. Well, even Matthew McConaughey, he's just he's sitting there and be like, well, he's like, you know, I was into church and I was going to be a, you know, a priest and all that stuff. And I said, well, it wasn't for me, you know, because I like the fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> that is you what want, he says pretty much. That's what he said. He's like, he's like, you want to get a couple more beers and get out of here? Yeah. And, and you know what's great about this is, you know, Jodie Foster in this movie, she's very, very, um, headstrong and she's very firm to what she believes and not the type that you would think would just you know meet some religious guy you know one night just like bone him but it's matthew mcconaughey i guess i uh, just 
Well, she, she doesn't call him back for like another three years. <laughs> That's true. She does stand him up. Yeah, even even when he leaves that little compass for her and everything like that, yeah, she does, she's the yeah. one who forgets about. It. But she's like business first. That's that's the thing about her. She's scientist. All the way. Foster's hip hand is strong, man. <laughs> I mean, people literally killed the president for her. Like tried to kill a president for her. It's like she's she's got them lined up. She doesn't have to like like you know. You wait for me, okay? I had yeah. a guy try to kill a fucking president, okay? Like we're waiting line. Yeah, she's like, you know what? When I was 12 years old, the guy was trying to make me a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but yes, so Jodie Foster, you know, yes. So the whole thing in the movie, the the dynamic between Jodie Foster, which I couldn't tell, I still can't tell when I'm watching this, if the chemistry is good between the two of them. Well, it's kind of a weird one. I will say, like, I thought the whole time that, like, I actually thought about the movie. I'm like, you almost could cut that scene out in the beginning, and just don't have, and, and just never like they meet, but don't have it where they, they don't have to have a relationship at all. Like that's almost kind of unnecessary, like in a weird way. I think you need them to have a relationship where they can just they have to be close to each other and somewhat intimate to have the conversation they have because the whole dynamic about the religion and all that stuff is in the story is played through them. Yeah, the whole relationship uh, between uh, Palmer Joss, which is a weird name, and Ellie, uh, he's the religious guy. And not in a cringy way. Like, he seems like a very open-minded, like, man-of-the-world kind of religious guy. Not like the, you know, Bible-thumper religious mm-hmm. guy. That's Rob Lowe. You meet later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole dynamic between faith and religion, I mean, sorry, faith and science plays out between those two and then it's handled great especially at the end of the movie the whole thing yeah. is really good um but i like matthew mcconaughey is it is an odd choice because she she seemed like she had more chemistry with william fitchner character. Yeah. he's blind in the movie but yeah it seemed like they had more chemistry but it, it worked it wasn't bad they both have you know an ass load of charisma yeah you know no no it definitely does and just yeah, Matthew McConaughey's character is this like religious guy, which is like the weirdest way he's like, he's like, I went to religious school and then I want to be a priest and then I left and I wrote a book and next thing you know, I'm working with Bill Clinton. <laughs> like, like his life is just like, he just like feels like he just sort of falls into everything. Like th- th- there's yeah. not like a whole lot of work or anything like that. He's like, you know, either walk around the world eating Cracker Jacks, think about faith. And next thing you know, you're the religious advisor to America and everyone's listening yeah. to you because you got yeah. the voice, you got the face. Everybody wants yeah. to fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> People magazine says that I need to be the guy in charge of everything. <laughs> Bill Clinton, <laughs> I could see him in the, how this played out. Listen, I like Billy Graham. Billy Graham's great. All right. But that, 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 that Palmer Joss guy is going to bring the bitches. All right. He's going to have stuff that he can't have all of them. All right. So I'll just take the leftovers. <laughs> It'd be just like the house in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. Just like just like Arkansas back in nineteen ninety four. Um, yeah. So that's I guess that's how that happened. It is odd how he ends up there. Um, but yeah, I think you need to have that early interaction in the movie to kind of set up where it's going, and then where it ends up having them together. But the whole dynamic is not perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's handled as well as it needs to be to get the point across, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's, it's supposed to be kind of one of those ones where it's not really perfect. It's just kind of one of these things that 
they connect on a kind of on a on a completely strange level, but like they're almost still very similar people. Just one's belief is in science, and the other one's kind of in you know religious. Mm-hmm. And there's even a part that I think is kind of an interesting one where um, it's just a little bit farther down the the line, but when like they're questioning about the mission and everything like that. And they got Jodie Foster there and Matthew McConaughey does that thing where he like literally throws her under the bus in front of everybody. Like speech is going great. And so on. And then he's like, well, <clears throat> what do you think about the religious aspect? And then he throws this like number out there. He's like, well, 95% of the world, you know, thinks of a higher power. And the, when that line came up, I thought about I'm like, is that really we use 95% of the world? Like there's only 5% of people believe in science. I mean, this is still 1997, but even at that time, I'm like, that seems like an awfully high number, but maybe that is like, I'm, I'm assuming Matthew McConaughey, I mean, Matthew McConaughey, assuming that, you know, none of these people here, they didn't just pull that number out of their ass. Well, you have, okay, it's a flawed statistic, but okay, first of all, we've become significantly less religious since even the late 90s, early 2000s. I, yes. Such a weird thing. It's, and it's skewed for me because I grew up in the Bible Belt, so, and I grew up in church all the time, so it's, it, I mean, to me, it was odd if you weren't religious like i i would still be your friend but it was not normal you know and um especially and not just not religious but not my religion yeah okay so if you're watching the podcast it's obvious things have changed because i've literally changed shirts i put the same one on again yeah that was that was bold of you i tried to do the same thing and i didn't even think about it till i went to go back into the recording I'm like, I'm going to put on the same shirt. Nobody will be the wiser. But then I just, honestly, I couldn't find it. Then I felt dishonest. <laughs> it's just, it, Not, we're doing a part two. That, that, that's just yeah. all it is. Part it's, two it's in a, the same episode. Yeah. yeah it's okay. So, it took two days. There was so much contact involved. We, we needed two days to, you know, bring it all in. Yeah. My adrenaline's still pumping from last night. Essentially, my kid woke up and was, it's just a big mess. And then he took a nap today, which doesn't take naps anymore. He's four, but now he's wide awake, so he's still sitting here beside me in covers. Once he gets older, he'll learn how amazing an app can be if you can get him in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, he got him in today, and so now he's still <laughs> awake, and this is way past his bedtime, but he won't leave me alone, so he's just in the podcast room looking at me, playing with my Ninja Turtles. It's good, it's good. It's, it's good for him. Yeah, it's good for him. So, um. This might feel slightly disjointed, but we have a pretty good idea where we left off. We were talking about religion still. But um, I think, you know, it's time to get into the bulk of this story. So um, Dr. Arroway is, um, you know, she's been exiled from Puerto Rico at the large, you know, antenna out there where Sean Bean died in Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. He's she he's not she's not there anymore. So now she's in New Mexico with a large array of all the you know um, uh, antennas out there. I think SETI. I think these are actually owned by SETI, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and people just come out there to rent them, like you know. Yeah, yeah. So she's out there, you know, looking for ET at, at you know the large array in New Mexico now, and um, she's got funding from Haddon. So that's an important thing that we didn't talk about. She's trying to get all this funding because she got kicked out by Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt mm-hmm. is like a national science advisor. He's got political motives. He's a little, he's a little scummy. He and is. He doesn't like Doctor Airway's fringe science. He she he um, thinks it's a waste of time. 
Plus, he likes to do that thing that every single time she makes a discovery, he likes to step like right in front of the camera in front of her and be like, yeah, my team right here is really getting it all together. And let me just show you how cool my mustache is on a photo. Here you go. You can keep that. <laughs> like he, he just literally like like puts himself right in the front line every single time there's a discovery. You know, and usually when you watch political things like that, movies or like, um, or like, uh, honestly, like, uh, gender issues in movies like that, you know, they, they go too far with it. It's not very realistic, but I really feel like that's how they do it in politics. They just kind of stand over each other and just kind of like swoop in and like the audacity, but then are you going to call me on it? No. And so, yeah, he's, he's a major dick, uh, in this, and it's, it's hard to tell through the movie, like he has respect for her. But also, like, wants to, you know, he's more worried about his political aspirations than he is this discovery or science or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's one of those ones. It's like every time she's, like, wasting money, then he's angry. But the second she makes a discovery, then he wants to jump on in like he was part of it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So basically what's going on with um, Arroway is when when she does make contact, she has now been in New Mexico for a couple years. Uh, she's got um, this one guy who wears Hawaiian shirts. He's very similar to um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Twister. He's got that vibe. Yes. Yeah. You always have that one kooky science guy with the vibe, like he's playing with vampire teeth and being silly. And then there's the other guy with the kind of bowl cut going, no. That's <laughs> just like, you know, this is well, it's, just, it's like yeah. they're like classic disaster movie characters because it's like there's those kind of guys are in uh, Dante's Peak as well too, you know. Yeah, they're because that's actually it sounds weird. This movie almost kind of plays out somewhat like a disaster movie without there being like a well, there is one disaster that happens, but yes, you know, um, you know, without it being like you know like that kind of thing, it does have a lot of the same like feels of a disaster movie build up. Well, usually because in those disaster movies, there's a group of scientists and there's the guy like, hey, things are about to happen. And then they don't. I mean, they do. And then nobody believed him. And now it's like, yeah, fuck you. And he's got his group. He's got his, his cronies with him. And then yeah. you have the, got the Hawaiian shirt wearing guy that's eccentric and whatever. And that's he's here. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know who plays that guy. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. But um, yeah, you've got, uh, Michael Fitchner plays a blind scientist named I can't. I think his name's Kent Clark because they're trying to make him like Clark Kent, which I don't know why. Um, yeah, you're right. That, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> so she's got that group of people there in New Mexico, and um, she finds out that they are going to take this project from her as well, even though it's privately funded by Sr. Hadden, the um, Bond villain we were mentioned earlier. Uh, the government still owns the antennas, and they're leased. You know. So they could decide at, at any point in time, like, hey, we don't want you using this anymore. We'll give it to somebody else. And so that is about to happen. So it's she's got like a three-month deadline. And then one night she's out there listening to uh, for signals. And all of a sudden, you know. It, it comes it on in. It yeah. does, you know. Yeah. And, th and then the government comes in all pissy because they're like, oh, why did you tell the rest of the world? This is America. We should keep this for ourselves. Oh, Okay. If the North Koreans have it all, if the Iraqis have it all. Yeah. Here's the thing with this. Okay, so the building up to the getting the contact is impressive. The whole scene where she gets it is one of my favorite scenes ever because she's just sitting there. You start hearing it. 
you notice something's happening. She's just sitting there real quiet on her hood of her car with the headphones on. And then, boom, 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 and you hear it. And she's like rushing there and they're doing the sciencey things, clicking it on buttons and automatically opens all these screens and, you know, hooking things up. And they're like, yeah, I got it. You know, just being all crazy. And they get there. But then when they finally figure out it's a signal and this, there's like pattern to it mm-hmm. and there's something going on, they're like, who should we call? She goes, and I even, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, don't do that. You know, <laughs> yeah, call it a couple people. It, it, it comes back to that thing that we were saying on the previous part of this episode where you, you got to be careful when you let everybody in on what's going on. Most people can't handle it. Yeah. And it didn't help her, you know, scientific endeavors at all because Tom Skerritt still is like uh, jumping in front and, you know, doing his thing and, you know, grandstanding and hot dogging and being a douche nugget. So, you know, really it just caused her more trouble because James Wood shows up with his troops and yep. he's automatically, he's like, we talk about Independence Day. He's, I can't remember who plays the gray haired guy in Independence Day who kind of knows there's aliens and finally lets on to Bill Pullman later in the movie. That's not entirely. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, yeah. the long hair. That, that guy's a great actor. I cannot. I don't. That's the only movie I can really think well, of that guy. No, you're thinking of the Star Trek guy. You're thinking of the guy who plays um, Data in, in Star Trek. Oh, is that? Uh, oh, God, that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like his national like security advisor. Like, oh yeah, the dude who yeah. leads him down there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He. They're very similar characters, and this is James Woods' character. It's similar to that. Um. And he's just automatically like, these aliens are going to kill us and, you know, bring it in the military and just automatically assuming they're going to harvest us. And really, they're just sending us fucking math problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. They're yeah. giving us the design for an erector set. Yeah. So slowly but surely, you know, the president's getting involved. The military's getting involved. This thing is building, anticipating, like the world knows about it now. It's out in the media, you know, um, she is getting undermined for her discovery. So she has to keep fighting and clawing to keep herself relevant within this, even though she's the one who's worked spearheaded this. Mm-hmm. And um, slowly but surely they start figuring out there's a code. So within the, within the code, they figure out that they're relaying signals back to us. And why do they send us Hitler? <laughs> yeah. That's what makes me laugh. It's just like, Oh, Oh geez. That was the first thing that we sent out of the space. Oh, that's a, yeah, we're gonna be remembered for the rest of the time for that one there. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I re- what I like about that scene is not as good the second, third, and fourth time you see it, but James Woods' reaction in that scene—I don't think he says this—but it's basically like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> as soon as Hitler shows up, he goes, well, "Okay," and he walks off. But I remember the first time I watched this, I'm like, "Is that?" Is that Hitler? And like, so it really takes you back. Like, what's going on here? Like, well, like you, they build this anticipation of what's in the signal, what's in the signal. All of a sudden, you see Hitler just doing this Hitler thing, you know, yelling. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really bizarre. He's getting pissed off that Jesse Owens is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, he is getting pissed off. Like, he just see he gets. Like, you know what? I don't like those guys. I don't like them. We should do something about it. It's all about the Olympics the whole time. Uh, so the, she's always trying to like kind of quell all the um, 
hostility and the anxiousness and tell everybody, hey, listen, there's no reason for them to be hostile. They haven't shown any hostility. They're, you know. Um, so basically she's got to figure out this code that, that find a primer to this, these schematics that they've essentially sent them. And she's kind of got to find it before everybody else so she can keep herself in the, in the game. Yeah. And, and that's, you, yeah, as our husband comes back. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're just looking 2D. If you look at the three dimensional view, you will see that they sent us 63,000 pages of cubism. Oh, like they would have fucking thought of that. They wouldn't have thought of that. I mean, because the way they line up on the pages, I think even I would have maybe kind of yeah, thought of that. It, it didn't look like it would take that long to be like, I mean, this lines up. So if it's not lining up side by side, uh, what's the next step? Yeah. Yeah. And three-dimensional being like they take another dimension. So, yeah, it's that was kind of the whole thing with Haddon. The idea, of, like, again, the idea of the billionaire getting involved, having his clandestine operation and kind of helping influence the thing, especially within the government, that's not crazy at all. Mm-hmm. But it's just the hokiness and the cheesiness and the, the just the weirdness that they played this whole thing out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's okay. It, it still leads us there. And then I almost want to say that, because this, this is once, you know, they start up and then everybody comes out, literally everybody comes out of the woodworks to go like either protest this or say awesome aliens or bring the freaks out and all that kind of stuff goes on. And they get one of those like scenes where it's like a cast of 10,000 extras. We need them outside and all their goofy wear. They're going to be out there holding signs and dressing like Elvis Presley and looking for aliens in the sky, all that stuff. Yeah. And that's where we get one of the quintessential cinematic performances of all time. One of the best character actors. Ching Busey shows yep. up. And um, just looks like he's, looks like he's like a really angry preacher, but also like he was supposed to be in Phantom of the Opera. And also like he's constipated. <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. And, and then he's also looks like he could be in like a Scandinavian metal band. If, if he just switched things around just a little bit, he's got this long blonde hair going on and it's Jake Busey. So, you know, he's got some attitude going there yeah, or whatnot, yeah. but then he's kind of chewing it up sort of like Quentin Tarantino playing the preacher and little Nicky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was trying to think of the Scandinavian metal band now. Like, there you go. There you go. Duka, 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 duka. That's almost what he's like. See, he's looking more like he's going for that, but then it's like, oh no, he's really into you know, he's a crazy religious guy. You know what I mean? No, the, you need if you really want a creepy religious guy. And I'm sorry if I offend anybody this, but it's true. If you really want creepy religious guy, you need Joel Osteen. <laughs> you need like, hi y'all, I'm so happy to be or Kenneth Copeland. He's even creepy. He's literally a demon. Yeah, but one of those one of those guys. They that the the whole aesthetic. Of Jake Busey in this is weird. There, there's some odd characterization choices. Yeah. Certainly in this film. And it's really mainly with Haddon and Jake Busey. And mm-hmm. he's like, it's not just a one-off. You think when you see him, like, oh, he's just this guy who's like, the point of it is to, you know, make her feel guilty about religion. But then she keeps showing up throughout the movie. Yeah. No, he keep, keeps going. And that even leads to the, I think, where we left off on our last episode. Because there was the one question that, 
I kind of was thinking about the whole time is when Matthew McConaughey's or when um, Jodie Foster's at the big you know meeting and she's telling pretty much the whole world about what's going down this code and everything like that. And then Matthew McConaughey literally throws her under the bus and she's having a great speech. You know, he, he throws the thing is like, well, do you believe in a higher power? You know, more than just a Matthew McConaughey night. Yeah. yeah. Do you believe in God or are you just a soulless, godless she devil? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Just some kind of succubus that takes a man's, you know, crackerjack box compass and never gives him a call back. Somebody, <laughs> funny, he's just like he's just so angry. It's like it's been like three years. It's like, oh, this is what he's he's been waiting for this moment. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna parade her in public. That was done. All right, all right, all right. I sat by the phone for seven days straight, waiting for that phone call back. You never called from Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, so yeah. That's kind of odd, but that scene is really, really good. Like, it's it does feel odd that they're in love. Mm-hmm. Now, that there's infatuation, like they they rekindle the infatuation when they see each other. That doesn't feel odd. No, but like that he's like in love with her. The whole thing is bizarre. Well, the, the thing that I the, the one question going back to this one it was the one where he Matthew McConaughey says that 95% of the world believes in a higher power. And I remember when I, I sat there and thought about that, I was like, really? That's just like, I, I would have guessed the number would be that high. I mean, I, I know that, you know, the U S of course is going to be much different than, you know, many of those other countries, you know, but I was like, wow, they, even for 97, that, that seems like, is, is, is that really what the number is? I'm, and I'm guessing it's not like they pulled that number out of their butt or anything like that. Like that's definitely gotta be some kind of, somebody did the data search on that. Well, it's it's tricky because you're, they're basing that data off, from what I understand, just people who, you know, legally or in some official capacity recognize themselves as a Christian or a believer of some sort. So, granted, it goes of all religions. So you could be Muslim, you could be Hindu, you could be, you know, anything, Norse, all that kind of stuff. And I guess it would all fall in that same, you know, that statistic there. Yeah, that or they just took a survey out in front of Walmart, and that's how they got their numbers. You know, look at that. Or, or it's also to think of how many people who are Catholic but don't practice, Jewish but don't practice. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing too. And that that leads that. Excuse it. I remember a thing a few years ago. I don't remember how I saw this or how it was shared in some capacity. And I think I may have even said this on the podcast before, but Australia at one point asked citizens to stop. Um, registering as Jedi because it skewed the religious, um, you know, stats and made it seem like the country is more religious than it was. So he, they asked people to stop saying that they were Jedi, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Just like it'd be funny if they're like, okay, if you come use the Force, if you can keep your Jedi like religion, if you can't, you show me the Force, then you don't get to be a Jedi anymore. Well, my thing is to like, so I don't know what the stats are afterwards, but I feel like that probably made the situation worse. <laughs> like, feel like, because if I was in Australia at that time and I'm like, don't say you're a Jedi, I'm like, I'm definitely putting Jedi. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is I feel like the second they say that, because you know that everybody who's putting it down is probably not, they, they just want to put it down to either be funny or silly, or they just are not religious in the first place. So that's kind of like a, a way to fight the power. Yeah, you know, and then I feel like if it was myself, I'd, I'd be like, uh, the second I heard it's like, oh, there's a Jedi religion. I'm like, I wonder if you could put down Sith then, because yeah. that's what I would do just to be a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's twisty. 
um, yeah, so I, yeah, that even I thought that was kind of like an odd thing, but you know, other countries around the world are way more religious. Sometimes they have an official religion. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like if you're a citizen, you're part of that official religion too. So, but yeah, 90, they say 95% of the world's religious. I, I, you know, that's a skewed statistic, but also an accurate statistic probably. But yeah, you know, especially when you had Jedi in there. Yeah. Especially when you had Jedi. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. So Dr. Airway, the, basically they figure out long story short, they figure out that all these schematics are a machine. And the puzzling thing is this wouldn't happen today. Maybe during the Clinton administration when the budget was balanced and, you know, there was, you know, some bipartisanship and, and some, you know, people got along a little bit. Uh, maybe they would agree to do this then, but they certainly wouldn't build this machine now. No. No, like that just wouldn't happen. So essentially they're like, hey, these are schematics for machine. These aliens want us to build the machine. The way that would work now as everyone collectively would say, that's not happening. Yeah, They'd be like, read my lips, no new taxes. Yeah. So you're gonna if you're watching, you keep seeing random my kid in the background, like showing you random ninja turtles that are around the room. Um, so um yeah, they would not have built that thing today, but they decided it pretty quick. And then the whole thing is then who's gonna get to be the person to captain this vessel? And they're not even really sure what kind of vessel it is. It's gonna cost a lot of money, it's gonna be paid more by, by the international community. So, like, they just started calling people up, and they're all like, "Let's build it." That yeah, was just. No. There's a lot of camaraderie going on in '97. Well, in fairness, there yeah. was, there mm-hmm. was well, compared to today. Yeah, you know, you know. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tricky, but there was there was a, you know, like I said, budget was balanced. And I don't think that's happened again in my lifetime. So, um, yeah. So they decided to build the machine. She wants to go. There's this hearing. She does really, really good at the hearing. And then Tom Scared throws her ass under the bus. I mean, not sorry, Matthew McConaughey throws her ass under the bus. Then basically outsourced a dirty atheist. And that just to fly in 1990s American politics. No, no. you know, especially, especially with Matthew McConaughey, there is the, the, the religious, you know, order guy who uh, doesn't want to become a priest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I would have lied if I was her. I just would have lied. Yeah. You know, just like, wait a sec. But I think that's the thing is that like that, that comment really threw her off for a second. Like, wait, wait, what? Like it was all going good. And then all of a sudden there's this comment here, you know, and stuff. Yeah. You know, that she should have been like, I believe in the great power of science. And it is the only truth. <laughs> she should have just doubled down. She should have just either doubled down one way or the other. Yeah. And, and the rest of the Western world, even in the nineties were a little bit more progressive than us. They wouldn't have been like that. Like the, maybe the American group would have been like, Oh, you don't believe in Jesus. You ain't going nowhere. Uh, maybe hell. It's going to get a hell <laughs> other than that, you know, but, um, Candy. yes. Yeah. No, you're not, you're not getting on the spaceship, but the rest of the world would have been like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know? you, I mean, no matter what, like, let's be honest, like the, the Muslim people, if you, if she says she's in the Jesus, be like, no, 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 don't build that machine. Send somebody else. Yeah. So they went like, first of all, she can't drive. Okay. So like, not like, oh, she's a woman. She's not able to drive. Like, no, literally she's legally not allowed to. <laughs> so they would have been real mad about that. Um, so yeah, so she doesn't get to go. Tom Scarrett and his mustache are going to get to go. 
And um, but that's when Jake Busey shows up and saves the day, kind of by killing everyone. <laughs> yeah, just by going up there with a bomb. Obviously, nobody was running that security detail yet. I mean, I know nine eleven hasn't happened yet, so you you can get on board something a lot more easier. <laughs> yeah, see if that if this happened post nine eleven, or one thing it wouldn't have. But if it did, it, the security would have been better. Jake Busey, first of yeah. all, he's probably not allowed within near schools. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's got to have a track record going on. Yeah, there's something that guy's got a that guy's he has the when he moves somewhere new he's got to knock on a few doors. Okay, yeah. Anyway, uh, Tom Skerritt dies, so everybody's sad for like ten minutes. But then S.R. Haddon says, "Oh, by the way, we built two of those things," which, which definitely really. When when I think about that, when he says that there, I'm like, I feel like he set this up that Tom, the, the, he, the Gary Busey is almost part of the plan the whole time. Mm. It seems almost so perfect that like, and maybe this this version is a fake version that they have all set up just so they can use the secret version. Like it, this feel this feels like the conspiracy part of the movie right here. Like it was a setup, man. Like that's what it was. He was you know he was utilizing the government to get his plan A. Over here working while the plan B gets blown up by Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey. Yeah, it, it feels weird. And um I'm not really, really sure. It, it they don't flush this stuff out real quick. The two the two machines thing is kind of ridiculous. Um, but it's you know, you know Jody Foster's gonna get to go on the machine. Yeah, it, it's like you you you'd like nobody in Japan noticed that there was this like you know, 500 story tall building just built out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I guess not. Yeah. Um, yeah. They probably just thought they would be like some n- nuclear reactor reactor thing. But anyway, Jodie Foster gets to, um, gets her chance to go on the machine. And then you get, you know, she, um, the whole scene is really, really amazing because they, it's not an actual spaceship. It's, this transport through like a wormhole and opens up like another dimension or like a, you know, it's, it's really, really odd, but the way they play it out, you know, it's, it's really crazy. The floor kind of becomes translucent and all these things start happening. It looks really, really odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks really, really odd. But then, um, when, when they, when it finally happens, you know, static kicks in because, and they can't communicate with her. Mm-hmm. She has this amazing experience. She goes to this place, uh, this crazy, crazy trip looks like Space Mountain on acid. And then she gets to where uh, she's supposed to go and she sees her dad, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's trippy and the waves run backwards and it looks really, really pretty. But that that whole scene is so amazing to me. Yeah. No, well, that, that is, is a cool one where she just goes through this cool wormhole, especially back in the day. Like this has some cool. CG stuff and people would take for granted nowadays because there's a lot of this technology going on in this movie that's like this is how movies are all shot now but this is actually kind of like a very forerunner to have like Jodie Foster standing in a complete blue screen room and just be like okay we're gonna CG everything around you like you know yeah. that, that's like 90% of movies nowadays you know but this time this was actually a pretty brand new idea to have that much kind of going on and have her come on this kind of weird psychedelic beach where the aliens are like yeah we thought we'd come back as uh, you know your dead father. That, that that seemed like appropriate. Yeah, th- I thought that was a brilliant way to do this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, but sit down. Um, I thought that was a brilliant way to do that at the end because that's probably what another being would do if they had the capability of doing that. Like, hey, 
let's not blow their mind too much. We just sent them through a fucking wormhole. Let's like, you know, you know. So anyway, long story short, she meets her dad. She has this amazing, unbelievable experience. She's, she has this line in there where she's like, somebody should have sent a poet because she can't describe it. But it doesn't matter because it's static the whole time. And there, she, there's no proof that she did what she did. Yeah. And she, she gets back and to everyone on earth, it was only, she was only gone a few seconds, but in reality, she's gone for 18 hours. And basically James Wood launches his political campaign to try to say that this was a huge conspiracy and that she's faking and she's lying, even though he knows there's 18 hours of footage. Well, he doesn't but, know that yet. That, that, that comes up afterwards. Right, right. But here's the, here's the thing. This is the worst part of the movie. Why didn't they just send someone else again? Yeah, that's I, I thought about that too. You think you'd be like, shoot, I want to go now. Like, you think there'd be just be a line like it was Space Mountain going down, you know, out the you know window practically. Well, my thing is, you could have written that off so easily. It's you could have just been like, oh, what? Hey, Ellie, by the way, before you get in this thing, here's what you got to know. We only got one shot at this thing because it mentions in the book. I didn't know this. I haven't read the whole book, but I know in the book it mentions that they had to create new metals and new things to make this machine. So uh, they have, let's say they discovered that the, the energy that will be, you know, used to make this event happen can only be done once. Yeah. They don't have the resources. Then you could have just written it off. Yeah. I feel like that's all they needed to say. And that could have been done in literally like a sentence or two. You yeah. know, you, you don't have to put a whole lot. You just be like, we only got the resources to do this once. So you got to make it happen. Like just say that line, boom, let it go. Yeah. Cause that was the first thing I thought too. I'm like, you think everybody'd be like, "Well, I want to go now." Like, let me see this wormhole thing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you have the whole line in there about the suicide capsule that she has in case something goes wrong. Like, we haven't made this public, but this is a blah 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 blah. You could have just stuffed that other line in there too, and taken ten seconds, and it just that that is poor writing, in my opinion. That was just, and I don't know. It might be fleshed out more in the book. I know in the book, I think they send three people. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, like I think. If, I don't know if it's like this for sure, but it seems like in the book that she goes and Tom Skerritt's character goes and then maybe somebody else. Yeah. Jake Busey jumps in at the last second. <laughs> Jake Busey jumps in. Cool. Oh, oh, we weren't doing that. <laughs> we, we weren't supposed to have him go, but he just, he found a way in. Yeah. He like that Fagan's like, I want to talk to you about your people. I want to talk about butter sausage. What is it? What's happening here? Have you seen that BC me with the butter sausage thing? Oh, I don't think I've seen that. I think it's AI created, but it's this thing of Gary Busey. He's talking about, it's like, uh, I was talking about butter sausage. What is it? What's it doing here? Get it out of my face. What's it all about? And then he's like, um, the guy goes, butter sausage isn't your jam. He goes, I don't buy jam. I buy honey. I kiss it on the lips. <laughs> and it's just really weird. And so the whole time I'm watching this uh, thing, I'm just sitting here thinking about him. Talking to the vegans and be like, let's talk about butter sausage. Because <laughs> oh. everybody like that would be like, if there was three people, you'd have that thing where like, here's the, in a sense, the scientist person, the business person, and here's the guy that's not supposed to go, but he somehow forced his way into there as like the comedy sidekick or comedy relief character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It would have been funny, like to have <laughs> the CGI piece to go meet the vegans. It's like, and then like, who who would his vegan be? Because she gets her dad. Would they all yeah. get Foster's dad? I don't think so. Oh, 
all the vegan would have been Jesus. I was going to say, yeah, it had to be Jesus. Dude, I want to see that version of it now where Gary B- J- Jake Busey goes. Yeah. And Jesus walks up like, what's up? Yeah, that or, or maybe you, you get like Tim Curry, the devil. And that's, uh, you know, they, they, that's what they, they read his mind. And that's what they found out instead. Because he's thinking about going to hell so much more than he's actually thinking about Jesus that that's what they think that must be his favorite thing. A big, slutty Tim Curry alien. Yeah, with no pants on for some reason. Yeah, you know, yeah, they have to like change the rating. Like, hey, Ken, like this alien, like vegans wear pants. Not this vegan. <laughs> Believe me, this Jake Busey guy's got some real weird thoughts. <laughs> he gets in there. Uh, <laughs> it's like Jesus and Dale Earnhardt show up. <laughs> yeah, who would be your? Who would be like I'm trying to think? Okay, like my, the obvious answer for me would be my mom. But then I'm like, if it wasn't my mom, it would be Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, would be like your celebrity, like yeah, your celebrity kind of person. I guess for me, it would be like Arnold Schwarzenegger was my celebrity person. <laughs> yeah, it would be either. It'd probably be Jimmy Buffett. I might just say that because he just passed away. I would, I would have said like it would, it would have been Jimmy Buffett. That's, that's the guy. He, that guy had it figured out. He did. He really did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like just be a beach bum, but make billions doing it. That's the way to do it, right there. The Vegans don't know that. They don't, no, yeah. yeah. They, don't, they don't know that. You know, you start off at first thing, you're going to be like a country western. You know, um, you know, kind of singer-songwriter guy in the Bob Dylan style, and then you realize that, hey, wait a second, let's just hang out on the beach and sail on boats all day long. That's that's the music that's going to last. Yeah, it was, I mean, look, it's a great, I love the message of the movie. I love the acting, but anything that I do, I make fun of it. Like, if we did Back to the Future, my favorite movie of all time, mm-hmm. I'm going to make fun of the Marty, Christopher Lloyd dynamic. <laughs> like, why are they friends? How did this happen? Why is it the owner registry? You know that kind of stuff, but other than that, you get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's why you feel like it. Rick and Morty. They're just like, hey, it's like his uncle. And it's like, oh, that that makes a lot more sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, that actually does make way more sense. <laughs> Instead of putting the one uncle in jail, make him the scientist. Yeah, but then you can't have him. Yeah, no, is his uncle is he grandpa? I can't remember. Kind of drawing a blank on that. But yeah, whatever. He's related. Let's just say that 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 seems more. Oh, he is grandpa. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's grandpa. That's right. But yeah, that, that's that makes it yeah seem like there's more of a connect. I feel like that just answers that right there. Yeah. Um, well, contact. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I owned it, so I just bought it. I watched it off. You know. You know, it's funny. What? Is literally the second that we're talking about, like, oh, well, let's do contact next week. A an email came up to me, and it was like, hey, movies on sale on Vudu for five dollars. And boom, contact was literally like the first one on there. I'm like, boy, that oh, really? timing could not be perfect. So I'm like, I don't own it, so I need to buy it. Oh, so I own it. So that's where I got there. But I was like, wow, talk about like it was right. It was front page, the first movie that popped up. I was like, oh, there we go. Boom. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Uh, go to at via VHS on X and uh, via VHS pod on Instagram, via VHS on TikTok. If you want to talk to us about contact and stay tuned for a bunch of content there. Always, you can go. Pizza Boys, uh, sorry, oldmanorange.com to find all the content that Spitzer does, which, by the way, there's new Pizza Boys out. New Pizza Boys up on Amazon, Kindle slash Comixology. At the moment, uh, print's coming later down the line, but... There you go. If you, if, you, if, you, if you got the reading material for digital, you got access. 
Yeah, you gotta get access. Um, well, anyway, so you gotta go there and find all that stuff. OldmanOrange.com, OldmanOrange podcast, Pizza Boys, uh, presumably some Viking Gym stuff. So, um, there it is. But anyway, uh, thank y'all for listening. Y'all have a good one. Sorry for all the distractions. The second half of this episode. Sorry, I changed shirts. Hope you didn't like the first one better. Um, and uh, let's make contact. VHS is out.